0: So tonight I wanted to talk about what I call the hidden gem of Buddhist teachings. I think a few weeks ago when he gave the secret teachings. So this is the hidden gem. (laughs) And this is about the quality of generosity. And this is a quality that I think I was very oblivious to the beauty of and the profoundness of before I came to meditation and the Buddha's teachings. Um, And when I first came to the teachings, I think I might have mentioned that I really came with that that attitude of liberation or bust. And that, you know, I had a very narrow focus of what I thought would bring about liberation, I think might be a way to put it. And then I discovered that there was often teachings on generosity. And not only was there teachings on generosity, but there was many, many people who really um, were actively partaking in the practice of generosity. I feel like in my life that there's been wonderful role models in this. Uh, People who just, in one way or another, give very freely. Actually one of these people was Hoganson, the Zen master who gave me my name. He when I first met him well, not the first time I met him but the next time he came back I was living in Australia and I organized a retreat for him so I went to the airport to pick him up and he's this little tiny man and he gets off the plane and he has these two huge suitcases Mm -hmm. and I'm going hmm, he's a monk he's supposed to be a renunciate (laughs) what's in these bags? (laughs) and what I discovered that was that they were full of gifts. That wherever he goes, he would just bring two bags full of gifts and share it. And then he would load up and go to the next place and unload his gifts again. And it was just really beautiful to watch him with this generosity of heart. The aspect of it feeling like a hidden gem, to me comes from, I feel like that it's the quality of generosity is almost like this glass platter in which these teachings and practice comes to us. And if we weren't paying attention, we wouldn't know that it was there. But it, it is like the foundation, it's, it's actually kind of almost, it is the vehicle of which the teachings get handed down. If we go right back to the time of the Buddha, actually before he was a Buddha and as probably many of you know in the story, he was a real ascetic and his body became very dilapidated and he was very, very weak. But then he realized that that was not the way. And at that point, a young woman named Sujata offered him some rice gruel or rice milk. And her offering gave him the nourishment to sit under the Bodhi tree and awaken. And, you know, her, her generosity in that moment bears fruits in this moment in our lives. And there's been a whole succession of giving and receiving that has transpired since that time. You know, there's been so many monks and nuns who, who have diligently practiced, who have been supported in practice, lay practitioners who've been supported in practice. And it's just been this element of generosity that has kept these teachings going. And it's the generosity of the Buddha sharing his teachings. You know, he did toy with the idea of not leaving the Bodhi tree, <laughs> but out of a generosity of heart he shared what he had found so the, the this whole lineage really rests upon this quality of generosity and this quality has a very prominent position in the buddhist teachings and it Often comes as a first. You know, it's the first teachings on the three kinds of meritorious deeds. It's um, the first teaching on the four means of benefiting others. And it's the first of the ten paramis because it really helps the mind in a very tangible way. The, it was also the first teaching that the Buddha would give when lay people would come and ask, request teachings from him. He would begin with teaching about this quality of generosity. So this was something that I pondered in my own life, like what, what, why, why is it so important? What, what is this quality? What does it do to the mind and the heart? That really put it in that place of prominence. And, you know, just looking, looking in our own experience, seeing, you know, as I speak, whether you can remember times in your life when you've been generous, when you have had that capacity to give. And the giving can be of material goods, the giving can be of time, energy, service. You know, it's that openness of heart, you know, giving of our presence um, it can't, there's many forms of giving. But just when we are in that space where we're giving, it is really a space where we live honoring the interconnectedness of life. We, we are living where we care and respect others. So there's a feeling of loving kindness in the heart. It can be compassion, compassion. Um, when we give, it brings joy and delight to the mind, that it really brings a buoyancy, it helps to gladden and brighten the mind. And it is a way that we can really practice non-clinging, where we can practice letting go. And how much do we hear about letting go? as we practice, you know, it's like, let go, let go, or let be, you know, it's like we hear it over and over. And we can also hear that the essence of practice is non-clinging, you know, the mind that clings to nothing. And so, you know, there's many ways that when we give, we are practicing that. And it's something that you can pay attention to as you do it, what it feels like to relinquish to give, to let go. You know, some people have expressed that they, there's a lot of fear around letting go. Well, you know, begin with having an orange in one hand and putting it in the other hand. You know, and just feel what it's like. Or when we feel like we have a small offering we can make, just feel what it's like to let go. It gives us a really visceral sense of this letting go. And it's a base of our living on this planet together in a web of living beings. You know that it helps us to live with care and respect for others. I'm just remembering another... Uh, role model in my life. Uh, He's a five-year-old boy. Um, Maybe he just turned six, but he's, he's very, very sweet and so generous. I just love to watch his generosity. And so often when we're together with him and it comes time to part ways, he will suddenly pull out a gift. Whether it's something he made at school, whether it's one of his toys, and he just he just seems happy to give. You know, one time uh, he was visiting, and just as he's about to leave again, he gives me a toy that he'd been playing with while he was there. When he gave it to me, I thought, oh, you know, he's going to want this toy when he goes home. I, sh- I should really you know, just say thank you for your gift, but, you know, it's okay. You can take it home, and the next time you come, you can bring it again, and we can share it again. So I said that to him, and so he, he didn't say anything, and then he left, and after he left, I went to get a piece of fruit, and in the fruit bowl was his toy. <laughs> often with children, you know, you just watch, you know, a small child offer you something. And that you can see the joy that's there, the delight, you know, they're giving you, you know, it could be something small, I don't know, um, I've had children pick flowers and then offer a dandelion, you know, it becomes so poignant, that, that act of generosity. And, you know, you just see in those moments... Our hearts open, and the person to whom we're offering the gift, their hearts are touched. It's such an act of giving. The Buddha had a um, chief female patron named Visaka, and... So he, you know, she was often giving and, you know, giving a lot. And so one day the Buddha asked her what was the advantage that she saw in her generosity. And so she said that when she hears that a particular monk or nun has attained any of the fruits of recluseship, and if that monk or nun has visited the place that she supports, she would be certain that they would have partaken of the offerings that she constantly makes. And then she reflected, and then she reflects, that she has contributed it in some measure to his or her, her spiritual distinction, and great delight arises in her. As joy arises in the mind, that is delighted. And when the mind is joyful, the body relaxes. And when the body relaxes, a sense of ease is experienced, which helps the mind to be concentrated. And that will help the development of the spiritual faculties, the spiritual powers, and the factors of enlightenment. And the Buddha, upon hearing this, replied, sadhu, 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 or well-spoken, <laughs> It has this effect of relaxing the mind. You know, and when we come to practice, we we begin to see how important this quality of relaxation and ease is in the mind. If we are tormented about our past, this, this comes back to us, we see it. And yet, if we are sitting, resting upon our past actions which have brought joy and delight, this is gladdening to the mind. It uplifts the mind. The characteristic of um, generosity is that of relinquishing oneself and one's belongings. So this is where it can be giving, time, energy, material possessions, um, presence. It can also be the relinquishment of our views and opinions for the benefit of others you know, where we can really relinquish things that we've been hanging on to, you know, where we might feel self-righteous and right. And, you know, we just start to see in the midst of whatever situation we might be in, it's not helpful. And we let it go. It's an act of generosity. It's an act of caring, of opening our hearts Generosity really directly counteracts greed, because in a moment of generosity, there's non-greed. In a moment of generosity, there's non-aversion or hatred, because there is, you know, when we give something to somebody, it's caring for their welfare, caring for their well-being. I think for me, what's been a piece of it being such a a critical part of the teaching was, you know, being fearful as a child, a sense of holding back and holding on to what was mine, you know, which at times comes from a feeling of scarcity. And so, you know, we want to hang on to in case in the future we don't have enough. And so it's been, for me, a real practice in learning to give. And learning to give, you know, sometimes when it's not like there's a huge abundance of things. Again, I have another wonderful role model, and this is my husband. He He's just a very generous being, and gives freely of time, energy. He, he gives <laughs> material goods, and sometimes with me standing there, like going, <laughs> And so, you know, one, it was a really great teaching for me. We'd been through a time in our lives where there was a little bit of scarcity, and, the, you know, just not such abundant material wealth at that time. And then it happened that we were on two different continents. And somebody gave us some money. Um, And so in the receiving of that money, we both did the same thing. We both had the same reaction. And without speaking to each other, we turned around and gave away money. And when we got back together, we were sharing with each other what we'd done. (laughs) And, you know, we had given away almost the exact sum of money that we had been given. And so when we realized that, I looked at him and I said, you know, we're never going to be rich. (laughs) And he looked at me with his profound wisdom and he said, you know, we are rich. Because this generosity of heart doesn't have anything to do with how much we have. It really is that heart of abundance. And that is a joy. It becomes so natural to share from this place. And, you know, we've been talking about shifting to um, the wholesome, to shifting to seeing all of these beautiful qualities in the mind, and generosity being one of these qualities. And it's a shifting to seeing this level of abundance. And then, you know, then we, when we see this, it is just, it's natural to want to share. It's natural to want to give, to respond in any way that we can, that feels appropriate. So when generosity manifests, it is manifesting as non-attachment. And we can begin with things that maybe we don't have so much attachment to, little things. One of the things that I want to point to tonight is that this can really be a practice. And so when it's a practice, we bring it into the light of awareness. And we begin to see all maybe our conditioned responses to it. And that's where it's come so alive for me just to see that I have some deeply conditioned responses. And it's not to berate ourselves for these patterns, but to begin to experiment, to notice in the little ways. You know, just taking that risk to give a little bit in whatever way. The proximate cause for generosity is thing, having things that can be given. And, you know, again, I'd just like to say that there, there's so much we can give. And the greatest gift of all, of course, is the Dharma. And so, you know, as we practice here, this whole practice that we're doing can be imbued as a sense of offering, of generosity of that, you know, the mind and the heart seeking to realize the highest good, you know, to, to be, live as a human being to our full capacity, all of the capacities that we've been blessed with, to help these come to fruition for the benefit of all beings everywhere. No, it's like that sense of making our life an offering, That's how I think of generosity. And, you know, it it really has helped me in very difficult times. You know, times where I was really sick, completely depleted, and, you know, just having to go and lay down in my bed and just thinking, what can I offer right now? And all I could offer was the presence of being with my breath. But that sense of offering help to make it okay. This is what I could do in this moment. Also, the taking care of myself when I was really sick. You know, when you've been sick you know what a struggle that can be. You know, to have to feed yourself and you just have so little energy. And then I would just frame it. This was an act of generosity, of taking care for myself. And again, it brought joy to it, rather than being the burden of what I had to do. Notice the difference when you sit down on your cushion. If you sit down and you have the idea, okay, what can I get from this sitting? You know, and it's about me and I and mine and I want to get something. You know, whether whether we want a moment of great clarity, we want, you know, insight, we want whatever it is that we think that we want in that moment. We want deeper concentration, what that feels like. And when you sit down and just really reflect on how in this time you want to bring a wholehearted presence so that you can deeply understand the nature of reality for the benefit of all beings everywhere. Just feel the difference that happens in the mind. Generosity is a very wholesome act, but there can be times where we can have quite a mixed motivation in our giving. And it really does affect, you know, it's just not that giving is great, but that we need to look and see where the motivation is coming from. Um, In the text, they give uh, some great lists of some possibilities of where motivation may be coming from. We may be motivated to give with annoyance. We may be motivated to give to offend the recipients we may be motivated to give to insult others. We might do it from a place of fear. We might do it in return for a past favor or in hope of getting something something similar favor in return in the future. We might do it because it's considered to be good or that there is an altruistic motivation. We might give to adorn and beautify our minds, where we really understand the benefit of giving. And so, you know, I know for myself that there's times when maybe it wasn't such a healthy motivation, where in some way, giving to get something back, giving to bolster one's self-image in the world, um, it's just something to pay attention to. It's said that the highest giving is when we give with wisdom. And this is where we really understand karma. We understand. We see the results of wholesome mind states, how when these mind states are present, that they have a beneficial effect. And so we begin to see that by turning our mind towards generosity, it has a beneficial effect in the world. We see the value of abandoning that which is unwholesome. We see the value of abandoning greed. Um, We see when we're giving from a place of wisdom, it might be that we really understand life is fleeting, Our lives are fleeting. The person to whom we're giving to, their life is fleeting. Even the gift itself is fleeting. And yet in that moment we are inspired to give anyways. But we have an understanding that there's nothing in that to be clung to. It's just a response of the heart. Wisdom is also there when we have the understanding of the benefit of how generosity has this way of supporting awakening. There's a simpler way that Mother Teresa once spoke about generosity. She said, it doesn't matter how much we give, but how much love we put into giving. So just letting our generosity be infused with that loving, caring heart. There's said to be three types of giving. The first is that of tentative giving, where we might hesitate, but then we give anyways. Or another example that's given of this is where uh, we have, you know, maybe have this really beautiful meal, and we pick out all of the best parts of it, and then we give away the rest. You know that um, it's it's an interesting thing, and you know this is certainly something that I've had to work with, where there's been a sense of hesitating before giving, but then when we give, we discover the joy. Another way that I found this in my Um, own life was that my closet represents a lot. And so in my closet, if um, the the tentative giving would be when there's been clothes that have sat there for about 10 years and they haven't been worn, and then suddenly there's the inspiration to give them. Um, The second type of giving is that of sisterly or brotherly giving. We give to people who are dear to us, equal to us. You know, the 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 it's it's somewhat easier. And you know, I discovered this in my wardrobe one day when a friend um, came to visit, and there'd been some things I'd been thinking of passing on, but I hadn't quite gotten around to it. You know, hadn't really been inspired to give. And then when she was there, it was just so easy. You know, you know, it was an immediate response to give these clothes to her. You know, and then it began to extend beyond that into that which was more dear to me. But it was just interesting to see how easy it was. And then there's what's called the royal giving, where it is just that giving from abundance, that overflowing joy, with it not referring back to oneself. Um, and just that joy, sheer joy of sharing. There's also said to be uh, three types of people. Uh, people who are likened to clouds without rain. You know, these are people that can't quite give. And then there's people who are, who are likened to uh, the rain that uh, falls locally. Locally. So we're able to give to those who are dearer to us, those who are closer to us. And then there's the, those who are likened to uh, rain that falls everywhere, that endlessly showers, you know, that, that royal giving, that abundant giving. The Buddha was once asked where we should give. Know, that that you know if we have material goods it's not you know it's like to take care in what we do to to um, give in a way that is helpful useful and his response when he was asked was to give where we have confidence and this came back to me one time when I was in Burma and Uh, This was the time where I had temporarily ordained as a nun, and I had traveled to Sagain Hills, you know, this very, very beautiful part of Burma that is made up of a lot of nunneries, monasteries, pagodas, dotting all the hilltops, but really stunning in its beauty. A place, too, where you know, sometimes it feels like time stopped to a certain degree. And that with all of the monks and nuns in presence, you almost have the feeling that you could uh, turn a corner and see the Buddha. You know, that there's something so steeped in his teachings. And people still practicing and, and studying so diligently. And so this time I was out in this car with this seda, or teacher, And as we were driving along, he made the comment that everything you see has been donated. And, you know, it just struck me remembering the words of the Buddha, to give where you have confidence, and just realizing that all these people, and Burma being such a poor country, these people had given whatever they could out of their faith and trust in the Dharma, in wanting to keep alive these teachings and practice. It it just is truly extraordinary. I mean, that culture is just so rich in the teachings of generosity. I think I briefly touched upon this at one point. But, you know, it's just to go and receive meals each day that people have offered. And one of the beautiful things that I I loved is that when people offered a meal, they would sit by the door and they would watch everybody come in and eat these meals. And the joy on their faces in these moments and you could see, you know, some people that came, you could see, were probably had more wealth in their lives. And I think I was so deeply touched on days when the meal was very simple. And, you know, it could be somebody that you knew had worked so hard to be able to offer this meal. And the effect for me was was to inspire me in my practice. You know... How can you receive something like that, and then blow off your practice? No, it just really brought joy into what I was doing. You know, to, to just meet what had been offered, what had been given. I often reflect on generosity when I'm here at IMS know that just we benefit from so much generosity that has happened throughout the years that to have watched if you've been coming to IMS for a number of years to watch all of the changes that have happened to you know the changes in this building you know when i first came here the annex was this rabbit warren of rundown rooms and mattresses on the floor and, you know, I know things were much worse before I came because you know, I haven't been here forever. Um, to watch the forced refuge be born you know, and to know that, that took a huge amount of generosity. And it all came from people who had faith and confidence in the dharma. generosity is something that is good in the beginning. You know, when we have a moment of thinking to give something, um, you know, that, in right there in that moment, it brings joy and delight into the mind. Uh, It is present in the middle as we actually offer. You know, just seeing the joy that somebody else gets in receiving a gift. And then the Joy afterwards, when we re- remember the act of giving. So it's you know just something that brings tremendous joy. Actually, in, in thinking about IMS and um, just feeling like there is such a culture of generosity, I think one of the ways that you see it is if you've lived here, you actually know that the IMS wardrobe is a shared wardrobe <laughs> that so many clothing has been shared. You just see it cycle through. Uh, it's a beautiful way of sharing. You know, it, uh, it really is quite wonderful. The other side of generosity is that of receiving. Um, you know the the giving and the receiving. In many ways, this is like the ebb and flow of the universe. And in order to give, there you know needs to be a recipient. And this can also be challenging at times. Can be quite a practice. This is something that I discovered for myself, anyways. And I found that you know many times somebody would offer me something and there's just this impulsive thing to say of oh no it's okay i'm all right but you know we we almost as if to receive would be a sign of showing weakness or a sense of lack or i i don't actually always know why there's such a deflection when people have this act of generosity of giving You know, you hear it a lot. I'm quite surprised as I became more and more in touch with it, how how much I say it and how much I hear it in others. And so, you know, this to me has brought um, to notice sometimes when I have given a gift and someone is totally available to receiving it. And this also happened when I was in Burma as a nun, and at this time when I was a recipient of so much generosity. You know, so, and the generosity came in the form of food a lot of the time, that when I would sit down to a meal, you know, there would be the meal that was placed in front of me. And then the, um, there was a sayada connected to the nunnery where I was staying, and he would often send some food to me which was really touching in itself. And then there was nuns who would cook for themselves in their own kutis. And often they would end up bringing some of their food for me. And so as I would sit at the table, it was just filled with food. And, you know, it was huge. And so... Um then people would give me food to take back to my room, to have in my room. And so as a nun, I could eat at 7 o'clock and 11 o'clock. So after I left breakfast stuffed at 7 o'clock, I had until 11 o'clock to eat the food that had been given to me. <laughs> and um, of course I couldn't do it, so it started to accumulate in my room. And then at 11 o'clock, I would go and again, you know, be offered so much food. And so this was becoming problematic for me. (laughs) It was attracting bugs in my room. And you know, there I was, ordained and wanting to live by the precepts and not wanting to kill, you know, not wanting to take the lives of these insects. And yet I had an open invitation for the insects to come and dine in my room. So it was a, you know, a little bit challenging. And you know, I was kind of beside myself what to do. And then one night I went to bed and I had a dream. And in the dream it said, give it away. And you know, it's kind of a no-brainer. But at least the message came through. So um, soon after that, I gave a bag of apples to the nun who was in the kuti beside me. And You know, I, it was often, she was an elderly nun, but I would see her practicing. You know, I would sit out on my balcony at times and practice, and she would be, I could see her in her hut practicing. And it just the diligence of her practice had been supporting me, so wh- there was this sense of wanting to share. And so this day, I went with my bag of apples, and I offered it to her and when i offered it to her it was like offering it into the void just this total sense of receptivity of some, it was like the, in that moment it, it it brought forth the concept of there being no giver no receiver and the gift itself being empty but she was just so open in that moment And again, it just brought to light to me the possibility of offering, this being an offering, receiving being an offering in our lives. As we work with receiving, it can be that we notice how difficult at times it may be how we might not feel worthy, you know, and that certainly came to light for me as I was this nun, that I, I just, you know, at times struggled with this feeling of unworthiness, and, and but then, you know, good fortune of somebody, um, this was not at the time I was in robes, but it was still being this recipient of the great generosity that was in Burma, and someone offering me something, and then you know, I was always like, "Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you," and they they were so sweet in saying, "I offer it to the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha." You know, it's not a to us personally, but to the keeping of the alive of the tradition of truth, of being able to realize our full potential. This is what's being supported. So as we look at generosity, uh, look at giving, at receiving, and as we look at it as a practice, it is bringing all of our habits, bringing whatever is there into the light of awareness. And to do so again with the heart of kindness, care. That this doesn't need to become another way that we become hard on ourselves. You know, seeing a moment where we recoil, where it's too hard to give. In that moment, giving kindness and compassion to yourself if it feels painful. You know, to, to really work with this with wisdom, with care. But to experiment, you know, this is, this is what happened for me, to, to just begin to experiment. What does it feel like to offer with awareness? What does it feel like to offer wholeheartedly and to just look and to see? What does it feel like to hang on, to not be able to give? It's really just you know with generosity it's very similar how in the brahmavihara practice we are aiming the mind towards these qualities of love compassion joy equanimity with generosity practice we're aiming our minds towards this open-hearted willingness to relinquish to offer As we sit here on retreat, we have quite um, unique ways of offering in just different to the context of our daily lives, where certainly if here we all started uh, suddenly having to go out and go to Barry or go to the nearest uh, um, candy store to get offerings, it wouldn't be so helpful and it would become very distracting but that here we are giving many gifts to ourselves and each other, you know, offering the gift of the silence, offering the gift of our sila or virtuous conduct, you know, that creation that we have of living together in harmony in a safe space. You know, this is a huge offering that we give to each other. And so, you know, that... Um, as we sit down on the cushion, if we really reflect on the aspiration of bodhicitta, this aspiration to awaken, for the, to help all beings to do the same, you know, this is a place that our practice becomes an offering. And at the end, when we dedicate our practice when we offer any fruits of all of the wholesome energy that we have, that have come about through our practice, when we share this freely with all beings, this is a practice of generosity. And, you know, it's, it's said that in the offering of that, it really multiplies the, the wholesomeness you know that that because again we are just bringing into consciousness more wholesome energy Albert Camus says real generosity towards the future Consists in giving all to what is present. You now, we give in this moment. We give our full presence to our practice. And it, it brings juice to our practice. It brings it alive. It makes it dynamic. You no, know, because we are practicing with our whole heart. And that doesn't mean, you know, in any moment that, 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 um, uh, Sometimes our wholeheartedness might feel small. You know, in moments where we feel tired, exhausted. But we simply do the best that we can. And we really rest in that motivation. But we just give what we can to this moment. We find that in... Our practice of all of the Brahmaviharas, that generosity is present. That generosity is present in metta, when we give our good wishes, our wanting, uh, the desire to that all beings be happy. It's present in our act of compassion, that we want to be at the aid of those who are struggling. It's present in joy, that, that joy of giving. And it's present in the giving with equanimity, when we give without expecting anything in return. Sometimes it can feel difficult, and that's when it can be very helpful to reflect on gratitude, because the heart that is grateful easily shares. And so, you know, at times we reflect on what it is in our lives we can be grateful for. And that can be to be alive, to have a body, to be able to hear, to see, to smell, to be able to touch, to be able to share with others, to have a mind that has the potential of awakening, to share this journey with others. I'd like to share a a short poem that comes from the Grateful Heart Being touched, wordless tear from a timeless realm, so inexpressible and so expressed. Opening, not to, just opening. No limit, no barriers, nothing to hang on to. No one to hang on. Bowing my head, touching the sacred, Touching and being touched. There's actually uh, another example of what we can be grateful for. And this is um, in the times when you you feel like, what can I be grateful for? you can look to see all of the things that you don't have that you don't want. (laughs) So I think there's always something we can be grateful for. And so this is really an exploration again of these beautiful qualities of mind. And that... um, this reflecting on how these touch our lives. These bring the joy into our life. These, you know, that this generosity is an actual way, tangible way, of practicing non-clinging. That capacity to share the blessings of our lives. And sometimes the blessings come in hard packaging. know that some... You know, when I look back on my own life, I was sick for almost seven years. Very sick. It was hard. It was tough. You know, I ventured into really dark terrain. And yet, it was a gift in that it helped me to bring more presence, to, to want to live my practice, to use the opportunity of this moment. You know, through illness, we, we begin to see that life is uncertain, that we don't know about the future, and that in this moment, there is the opportunity. And so sometimes the packaging on these gifts is a little bit funny and not, you know, not, I never would have wished that gift on myself. But I do truly see it as a gift now. Because it, it really forced me to practice in my life. And so, oh, counting the blessings of our life. And then the sharing of these blessings. This is gratitude and generosity. And this is what will help us to awaken to be able to share with others. So I encourage you in this exploration, both here on retreat and in your lives, I found I, um, something that's come to me in more recent years is just all of the different joyful ways that are included in the path of awakening. And, you know, as we've mentioned, that sometimes we focus so much on what seems wrong, on the suffering, that we stop seeing the joyful aspects. But that, you know, this quality of joy is one of these seven factors of awakening, is really essential on the journey. It does bring about that um, pliability in the mind, that malleability. And so this is what we nurture through simple moments of generosity, the relinquishment having something to offer, whether it be offerings of material goods, time, energy, things that we do in our life. And we live in a culture that that, right now, it's quite wonderful, you know, in the hard times that we're going through, that there was many stories of people who lost their jobs, and so they would be looking for other forms of employment. But when they had time, they would volunteer in different ways. Know that there's, there's a lot that we can do in our lives. And just to see how we can work with this in our own lives. So let's just sit for a moment. May the fruits of our practice be shared with all beings everywhere that they may come to know the peace, the joy, and the happiness of the liberated mind. just remembered that the very first time that I gave a Dharma talk, the night before I was going to give it, I was completely tormented. And I thought there was no way I could do it. And then at a certain point I realized it was just my offering. And that was what made it possible. And so this is my offering tonight. And I thank you for receiving it. (laughs) Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.